I've decided after some thought I'm going to save some of my thoughts. We're going to do this in two parts, basically. Because this is a very strange episode. It's written by Nicholas Sagan. Now, he's actually done several episodes before. In fact, I'm pretty sure you've heard me comment on him. Just to name some episodes he's credited with include Course Oblivion, Gravity, and Relativity. All episodes I consider to be good stuff over on Voyager. So, it's not like he's a bad writer. It's just this episode actually pisses me off. Let's talk about the A-plot first, shall we? Um... Frakes was directing, which I think helps the episode substantially, and we come up to the first topic of the episode. I'm debating how much time I want to spend on this topic, because I could probably talk about this for a while. Picard mentions that every previous race that has been admitted into the Federation has done so as one unified world. Now, some people complain, and rightfully so, that most science fiction tends to treat planets as if they're towns. And that's kind of a flaw of storytelling, and that's absolutely true. Thing is, there is a degree of logic behind treating a planet as one unified race when it comes to entering the galactic community. There is a logic to that. You know, you have to. One of the core principles of the Prime Directive, in the way it's supposed to be applied, is the idea you gotta work up to it. You don't just suddenly uplift the Krogan, right? You have to let them slowly earn it and build up to the point where they are able to manage it or, or deal with it or whatever, right? So this is part of that idea. Thing is, is a unified government a necessary component of such a practice? Let me posit a theory to you. Let's say Earth, real-life Earth, is actually peaceful. We get rid of all the piracy all the slave trading, and just all of the gunk, right? It's, it's, it's gone, okay? It, it's taken us a while, and, and it took us, you know, it's another century or whatever to get there, but we did it, okay? So Earth is now actually on the right track, and people are cool. You know, everyone looks at everyone else, and they just kind of go, uh... And the response is, yeah, we're cool. But we're all still different nations. We all have our own little governments and different ways of doing things. So, we, under those circumstances, would not be admitted into the Federation. Is that valid? And I'm not even willing to state an absolute on this. I'm not even going to give my opinion on this. I just think it's a fascinating topic. Because it's a presumption that global unity is a necessary component of social evolution. And I'm not 100% sure that's true. In fact, I am 100% sure that that's not 100% true. In short, what I mean is that that is an opinion, not a fact. It's an interesting opinion, and obviously it's one Picard has. What's interesting is Beverly seems to take the other side, and they just barely start to discuss this fascinating topic when the plot of the episode interrupts. <laughs> but it is interesting to think about, because, well, let's assume that that planet, you know, let's assume another circumstance. So let's say we got rid of all the dreck and the gunk, but we still have political issues. You know, stuff that's more mild and less incredibly horrible. Rather than, you know, war still happens. But not, you know, genocide. Or people have competing economic interests. And it doesn't exacerbate itself into enslavement of one form or another, right? So, in other words, just, just dial everything back a few steps, okay? Let's say that France decides to petition for membership in the Federation. 
think about that for a moment. Think about how complex of an issue that is. Think about how much that's going to completely change the, the everything. The cultural situation. Because all of a sudden France is now part of the Federation. Let's assume it's admitted. France is part of the Federation and the rest of the world isn't. France is getting a huge step up on everything. Their interests and their ideas are basically going to become part of the Federation's ideas now. But it also means that French people are going to have advantages and potentials that everyone else can't even begin to match. Because they can go off and join Starfleet, for example. Or they could relocate to other planets. If they have an issue, if they have a power outage, if they have a plague, they can reach out to the Federation for support. The rest of the world can't. Now, that's not necessarily a one-to-one -one thing. Like, there's not going to be a barrier around France, right? So they could reach out to some of the other nations. But which ones do they reach out to? And how? And when? And who decides these things? Because at this point, they're a Federation member. So technically, the Federation Council is the one that's going to have to actually decide who on the rest of the planet. Could, and, and of course, this, this can lead to so many issues. Ignoring, the, again, the gunk. Let, let's, let's wipe the gunk away. Okay? Even in a more romanticized situation... This could still lead to conflict. This could still lead to embargoes. This could still lead to huge cultural biases for and against. This would be a huge issue. It's such a huge issue that I actually have designed an entire story arc within my own setting just dedicated to this topic, because I find this topic fascinating. It's the Elven Civil War, for anybody curious of the extant. <clears throat> and the whole premise there, just to talk about it very briefly, was exactly this. One of the elven tribes reached out to uh, the Concordat and said, hey, we would like to join the Concordat. The Concordat was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> and war happened as a consequence, and it was bloody and it was long. And the Concordat had to have a massive internal restructuring and basically had to deal with this problem. It lasted like 14 years, too. Anywho, so this is just a fascinating topic that they never discuss at all. As usual, curious of your guys' thoughts on this one. So, the Prit kidnap a captain and a high-ranked doctor. That is really, really stupid on every level. What's funny is Riker actually lays this out to the minister lately. Yeah, okay, so um, you have just basically ensured that you will never be rid of us until you return them. So, make your choice. Anyway, so that's dumb. For the usual reasons, it's dumb. I, I, I do have to bring up something. Why can't the Enterprise just find them? There's no dampening field. There's nothing masking their sensors. Scan for the only humans on the planet. You can do that. You have sensors that can detect things from space. That's not even like an unusual thing. That's a normal thing. This is in addition to the fact that they are given back their tricorder. Which, by the way, tricorders can be reconfigured to work as communicators. That one's coming from the tech manual, not the show, but still. So, um, WTF. So that's the first reason why this is stupid. They, they, <laughs> this also then leads, if I could just keep talking about stupidity for a second. There's two powers on the, on the planet below. Uh, we're going to call them the Reds and the Blues. <laughs> this, this, this joke applies in three ways I can think of. And they have no formal contact, no ambassador no communication change, no nothing. They have no formal legal way of connecting to the other power. At all. What? They also haven't had formal contact with them in about a century. 
Um, that's not how any of that works. <laughs> that really isn't how any of that works on any level. I mean, the most obvious example I could use is the fact that the Soviet Union actually did have formal connections to the United States. This was before they established the Red Line. They still had means of communication. In fact, the establishing of the red line was specifically because of the fact that they needed to compensate for the fact that they didn't have quick, efficient, clean, you know, undetectable means of communicating from one government to the other. Duh. The, okay, whatever. Moving on. We're up to, what, three things that don't make sense so far? Um, then Riker tries really, really hard to go with a peaceful solution, which leads to him actually kidnapping a member of the government of the people. Um, I'm pretty sure that's not how that's supposed to work. I'm pretty sure that at the point at which right, a Federation Starfleet officer discovered that there was no actual method of of communicating with the other government without literally hijacking their systems, then talking it out probably should be removed from the window. Remember, they have kidnapped two of their officers with unknown intent. They could literally already be dead. This is part of the problem of the other plot, the, the the A plot or whatever. It's built as a comedy. It's not a full-on, you know, <laughs> jokes, but it's a light-hearted, comedic tone throughout. And it really shouldn't be. Because, it, 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 seriously, pay attention to the episode. There's literally a bit where it's like, of course, understand, you should tell me. The, the way they talk is literally the way you could see a cartoon character talking. And the Kess, that sounds so weird to say that in hindsight, by the way. Obviously, Voyager wasn't really, they were still making Voyager at this point in history. Anyways, the Kess are cartoonishly paranoid. The Prit are cartoonishly xenophobic. We all complain about the race of hats problem. This is that taken to an extreme. This is silly. It's not serious. There's nothing serious about this. This could be a very serious political drama intrigue. Instead, it's a joke. Riker is constantly just like, given the whole, I mean, see the stuff I have to deal with kind of gesture, because it's all played for laughs. Now, there's nothing wrong with that in the strictest sense of the word, but it doesn't fit at all with the rest of the presentation of the episode, which is part of my problem with it. So we have the cartoonishly, at the very least, the Prit are no actual threat to the ship. Thank God. Because later on Voyager, that would be one of the biggest things I complain about. I, I, I Still to this day, I point to that as an example of dumb writing. That a planet-bound power threatens a spaceship. There's so many things wrong with that. <laughs> like, the, the, the amount of severely, extremely specific circumstances required for that to happen are stupid. And weren't in that episode, I might add. But no, they're no threat. Okay, cool. This is when the premise really gets extremely stupid. So let, let's, let's analyze this, okay? They're going to read their minds. Okay, so already these people have mind-reading techniques, which uh, is incredibly advanced for people who are planet-bound. But whatever. So, okay, mind-reading techniques. Got it, sure, whatever. These mind-reading techniques work on aliens whose minds work completely different than theirs. All right, you're already stupid. But I'm willing to kind of sub. Okay, now these mind reading techniques only work by two people being paired together. Wait, what? And in addition to this, they also allow these two people to read each other's minds. W why? 
Also, if they get too far apart from each other, they start to get nauseous and dizzy. Why? <laughs> Explain to me any of that. By all means, I'm listening. No, the point is, it's a, it's a ridiculous premise. It is dumb for the sake of getting from point A to point B. It, it's, it's the cloud effect. Assuming the rest of the episode is good, which I haven't actually gotten to the actual episode yet. Oh, most of the screen time is devoted to this, but it's not the meat of the episode. This is all just the comedy hour. They also get to the, the border, which has a giant force field over it. I'd make a Trump joke, but, you know, those are kind of out of season at this point. <laughs> actually, now that I think about it, by the time this episode goes live, I wonder if the election will have actually happened. I'm not sure. <laughs> anyway, so, that, that's, that doesn't matter. What matters is there's this giant force field. I, I can actually kind of believe that, but it helps to sell how silly this whole thing is, that they are devoting that many resources and that much energy and that much effort into just maintaining a physical barrier. <laughs> so then Riker kidnaps a minister, loses his temper, and lays into them like it's a comedy. Okay, that's cool. Let's get to the actual point of the episode. Now I'm going to go ahead and be real here for a second. This episode pisses me off. What's funny is I was kind of upset about it before I started watching, but I was like, you know what? No, Lore, divorce yourself. The whole point is to reanalyze and to re-examine. So I rewatched this episode with analysis mode on and with behind-the-scenes information to help back me, and I'm actually more pissed off than I was before. Quick story. Back in the day, Lormum really wanted Crusher and Picard to get together. Hell, I wanted that back in the day. I had a crush on Crusher. You know what I mean. I mean, seriously. <laughs> the two have excellent chemistry. The two are already very close. And there's a lot of story potential there. I've already discussed this. More than once, actually. So... That was something they originally wanted, and the writers were pushing for, and the actors were pushing for, and it was just jettisoned when the show kind of got recombobulated right around season three. Okay, sure. Then they left it on the table for forever, and then they were like, you know what, we should have this big romance bit. You remember that? It was just a few episodes ago. Now, I posited the idea there that that should have been Crusher, that he should have gotten together with Beverly and that, and that they should have been together ever since, and I've... As I've been watching each episode, I've been kind of having the mindset of, what if they had gotten together back then? This episode helps to conclude that in a big way, because I personally think this episode would be much better if they were actually together as a couple at this point. Now, you might think, well, then what's, what's the drama? They can read each other's thoughts. Do I need to write it out for you? Think about this. Imagine the guilt that Picard feels. Seriously. The whole Jack Crusher thing. He, you know, that horrible guilt that he's been kind of wrestling with this whole time. That's been causing issues with him and his relationship with Beverly. The fact that he doesn't know how to move on or deal with that. The fact that <laughs> she herself probably feels a little bit guilty too. Because she also shared the legitimate attraction to Picard. Especially when she came back on the ship. By that point, she had officially moved, officially moved on from her husband and was willing to accept feeling and embracing these feelings. And then her guilt pushed her away from it, helping to explain the, the, you know, the last six years. And just all of this stuff could, could be here. Character stuff, right? Development stuff. You could even have the little stuff, like the breakfast bit, which is awesome, by the way. 
you know, the little breakfast thing. Oh, we both like simple meals, but we both kept quiet about it because we did it for the sake of the other, and now we can air this out. <laughs> There's also little tidbits of characterization that are just kind of slid in there in the actual episode. Um, the idea of random thoughts, surface ideas, you know, stuff that we don't really consciously think about. I've actually talked about this concept before, although that was with regards to instincts. But here it is valid. We have thoughts all the time that we don't really mean. It's just the brain constantly churning out thoughts. Every now and again, you probably have a thought of, huh, and you know, it's something bad, and you immediately kind of react like, why would I think that? Well, the truth is you actually aren't, based on what we know of how the brain works. It's just the brain is constantly mulching up this, this kind of process, and that's kind of down here, leading up to the subconscious, leading up to the conscious. Very, very rough diagram. So you're not really thinking that. But those kind of surface thoughts can just bounce all over the place, right? Which, of course, leads to several of the events of the episode. This is also interesting because Picard gives this appearance of confidence thing. This is a nice little character tidbit, like I just mentioned. He's the captain. It is his job to portray the captain, even if he doesn't know. Now, as he admits, usually he does know. Usually he is confident in his decision. But even if he's not, he has to pretend he is. That's the job. I like that. You know, little tidbits. There's also a really good scene. It's at 28 minutes in where they admit the complex feelings there. Now, it's mostly on his side, which actually irritates me a little bit. The strong mental and emotional attraction to a woman who's married to his best friend. And the fact that he just keeps interacting with her. I mean, that had to have been terrible for him. When Jack died, he felt horrible, of course. And there was no attempt to, like, capitulate on that. He felt awful. And so naturally, he threw up a wall there and didn't even want her on board the ship originally which actually was mentioned back in the day. And now it's like, well, okay. And there's this really great bit, and I love this, by the way. Picard, this is the second time he's brought this up this season, by the way. Picard says, at first I thought it was just a, a physical attraction, hormonal, infatuation. You know, a romance of the week. But he himself admits that, no, it was far more emotional. That there was something more in-depth there. That he had a legitimate mental and emotional attraction to her. You know, something a little more real. Which is what I'm always in favor of when it comes to this kind of thing. I promised I'd never tell you, he says. I felt like I'd be betraying my friend. That's a good scene. And they end up laying down next to each other. At the end of the episode, they admit they miss the mental connection. You know me, I'm in, always in favor of changing the status quo. I would have probably written a way to keep it. Get rid of the nausea, but keep the mental connection. Maybe it only works in proximity. That would be okay. Like, have them both mutually agree to that. Now, you're probably thinking, Laura, I still don't get why you're upset about this. Well, the end of the episode, Picard flat out says, you know, I would like to be with you. He actually mans up and grows a pair and asks to be with her. And she says, nope, and then leaves. Mom was so pissed. They came right there. So let's discuss why this pisses me off. The most obvious reason. This is teasing. Don't tease. Don't do that. Especially since everyone who is involved with Star Trek knows that the overwhelming majority of people wanted Crusher and, and Picard to get together. That's been a ship since season one. I mean, I know shipping nowadays is a little different because we have the internet. But shipping was still a thing back in the day. 
they got asked these questions at conventions regularly. When are you two going to get together? In fact, there, it was Riker Troy and Picard and Crusher. The, 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 that was a commonality. They were asked these kind of questions at conventions. That's not a joke. I should know. I've been there. But I also have interviews from them talking about that. I'm not actually bringing that I'm bringing up something else. But the tease thing still pisses me off the most. Reason number two. This is season seven. This is the season when you're supposed to be concluding things. Tying up arcs, right? That's what Deep Space Nine was doing. And even though Deep Space Nine season seven is also pretty rough, at least they're trying to conclude and tie up things. <laughs> actually, arguably season six did a better job of it, but whatever. Whatever. Um, you know what? I don't want to quote this. There's a lot of discussions about here, and it's all vague. That's the thing that irritates me. All these people are like, ah, it's whatever, you know. Ah, who cares? Nobody cares. Let, let, let me just go ahead and cut to the next big point, why this pisses me off. So, it's season seven. This episode would have worked if it was season two. I'm serious. That's, that's starting to be a trend, isn't it? If this was the two of them coming to grips with this way back at the beginning of TNG, and then having them then go from here and maybe develop a relationship later, or deciding against it, depending on, sure. Having this tease, this laid in, is just mean. <laughs> now, the writers wanted to get them together. In fact, in the original script, they did actually end up together. That was then changed... And then it was changed again. So it was basically they end up together, they end up romantic, but then split up, and then they don't have anything romantic at all. Okay. Now you're probably thinking, well, hang on, the writers wanted it, right? Yeah. The actors wanted it, yeah. The fans wanted it, some of them, yeah. So who didn't want this? <laughs> now I know what you're thinking. Why did the executives fight so hard to prevent a connection between these two characters? I don't have a direct quote on this. Uh, I have looked for a direct quote. In fact, I was just refreshing myself on that to make sure. But um, based on an interview, I do remember seeing, and I can't, I can't cite my source on this. They wanted Picard specifically to be free for relationships and romance in the films. Now, in case you're not catching that, remember, Generations at this point was already well into pre-production. They'd already written the script by this point, and they were still going to be working forward. They, they'd already planned out uh, several movie deals. I don't think they had all four, but I think they had like three uh, scheduled out originally. And they wanted to make sure Picard was free to go and have some big love affair with whoever, which he almost did in First Contact until someone put their foot down on that, and did end up happening in Insurrection. They wanted that door open. For some reason, they decided they couldn't possibly romance and sex things up like they do with Riker and Troy in Insurrection by having it be Crusher and Picard. No, that would be insane. Here's random woman we'll never see before and have never seen since. This is the pettiest goddamn reason to do this. Excuse my language. This is such a dumb thought process. This, this is literally... They're not even doing it for creative reasons. It's not like, oh, no, we have this plan for this great relationship thing. No. They want to have the availability of the romance checkbox in the frickin' films. Now, even if that's not true, it was the executives who put their foot down on this one. 
In fact, the biggest one was Pillar, Michael Pillar. I don't even know what to, what, where to go with that. This is so irritating and stupid. This is... Let me, let me really nail this point, okay? This is a romance episode, all right? It's a lighthearted romp with a romance focus. It is probably one of the better romance episodes I've seen in TNG because of the depth and nature of the relationship between the characters and the chemistry between both of them. Picard, I've said this so many times, Patrick Stewart and Gates McFadden, since the beginning, have just kicked off wonderfully. They have great chemistry together. And, as I mentioned, they explain and discuss their feelings about each other in a complex and fully realized way. This is not some fling. It's not like they're hot for each other. There's something far more in-depth there. And this, this, this is turned into a Romance of the Week episode by executive mandate for no good reason. Because it's either the movie thing, which is a dumb reason, or it's who knows what the reason is. In which case, we don't know. We, we can't, who, who freaking knows, right? You can, you can probably tell how much this gets to me when this pisses me off. I am not much of a shipper. In fact, I'm basically not a shipper at all. But I do firmly believe that some characters should probably end up romantically connected together because of the way the show has ended up. Now, usually, this I could probably think of like five instances of that ever, but one of them was Picard and Crusher. Oh my god, I can't believe they did this. I'm actually angry about this. And I'm actually very looking forward to the comments section because it's going to be a bunch of people saying, what's wrong with you, Laura? You're a moron. Actually, I am really legitimately curious of your guys' thoughts. Even if it is you're angry and you're a moron. <sighs> or you're, uh, you you being angry at me and calling me a moron. Sorry, that's what I meant. I'm actually quite curious because I don't know what else to make of this thing. The A-plot was a poorly realized idea that was turned into a joke. And the B-plot was probably one of the better presentations of romance I've ever seen that was then shot in the balls at the last minute. That's all I got, guys. I'll see you next time.